0: Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians, chapter 5. Well, everything I just told them, it applies to you. Did you know that? So I want to talk to you today about spirit-filled thankfulness. Spirit-filled Thankfulness I don't know if you realize this, and uh, what Emilio shared with me this morning and what we prayed about concerning what happened at uh, his workplace emphasizes this truth that we live in a world filled with anger, and oftentimes. As we see these things happen, we read about them, we experience them. We may want to rail against the destructive culture of sin in our world. I know as a pastor, very often, I want to rail against the destructive culture of sin that I see not only in the world, but in the church. But we should always be reminded that It is more necessary to give thanks. It is always appropriate. It is always necessary to give thanks. Righteous anger and indignation can be justified, and it is. There it's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to be angry and sin. We can be righteously angry. We can be righteously indignant. Those are not sinful in and of themselves. We're allowed to be righteously angry, but we are not allowed to sin in our anger. What I and what we all must learn to do is to be ever thankful. It's hard to be angry and thankful at the same time. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. We can be concerned. We can be all kinds of things. But even in the face of sin, death, and destruction, we are commanded to give thanks. There's always the danger of sin associated with anger, but there is only blessing associated with thanksgiving. So I want to hone in on a phrase that I'm going to read to you in just a moment when I read our scripture. It's this phrase, giving thanks always for all things to God giving thanks always for all things to God. It comes as part of an exhortation to live with our eyes wide open in this evil and angry world, to live with purpose and focus in the will of God, to be being filled with the Spirit and to live accordingly. This way of life, this way of living A spirit-filled life, a life filled with the Spirit, is a life that includes always giving thanks. Giving thanks always. How do we do this? It doesn't just say giving thanks always, it says giving thanks always for all things to God. How do we do this? How do we live being thankful in and for all things? Well, I can tell you how we don't do it. We don't do it out of our own strength. We don't do it out of our own willpower. It's not by might. It's not by power. It is by the Spirit of God. It's only by His Spirit and grace that we can walk through this life giving thanks always for all things. This is what is called spirit-filled thankfulness because apart from the spirit, we can't do it. So let me read to you the text today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8, For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. "'Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, "'and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, "'but rather expose them. "'For it is shameful even to speak of those things "'which are done by them in secret. "'But all things that are exposed "'are made manifest by the light. "'For whatever makes manifest is light. "'Therefore he says, "'Awake, you who sleep, "'arise from the dead, And Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be wise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Well, Father, we ask that you would, in your grace... And in your mercy, open our hearts and open our minds this morning to the truth of your word. And by your Holy Spirit that dwells in us, God, open our hearts and minds to hear with hearing ears, to see with seeing eyes, that, Lord, our minds would be renewed through the washing of the water of your word. Lord, we ask that you would change us and transform us. That through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would be light in this dark world to give witness to your glory. We ask this, Father, that you would be glorified through your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he comes toward the end of his letter and remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to the believers. And he begins this chapter with these words, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given, given himself for us. And he goes on and he reminds these believers, as we all should be reminded. He says, you were once Darkness lest we become puffed up and proud and look at the world around us and look at the anger around us and look at the sin in the darkness around us and somehow think that that something in us of our own power, of our own will, of our own doing has brought us out of that and separated us from that and made us somehow better, we need to be reminded, just as Paul does the church here, you were once darkness, But now you are light in the Lord. And it's a stark reminder. It's a reminder that communicates a reality that we have no power to take ourselves from darkness. It didn't say you were in darkness. It didn't say you were acting like darkness. It said you were darkness. And it reminds us that we have no power to turn darkness or take darkness and make light. Only God has that power. The human condition will not fundamentally change from generation to generation as long as this world lasts. I teach world history to our fourth graders at Koinonia Classical Christian School. And one thing we're learning is that Throughout the history of this world, there have been evil men, evil women, evil things, wars and destruction. The things we see happening in our world today are not new. They've been around since the beginning of creation. The first murder wasn't committed Years after, hundreds of years after the creation, I mean at the very beginning of creation, the first children of our father and mother, Adam and Eve, their first children committed murder. Cain murdered Abel out of anger and jealousy and bitterness, out of selfishness. Cain murdered his brother Abel. And then had the audacity when questioned by God, Where is your brother Abel? God fully knowing where Abel was, Cain has the audacity to ask God, What am I, my brother's keeper? And the answer is, Why, well, yes, you are absolutely your brother's keeper. And so we are our brother's keeper. The human condition is not going to change. And this is true because men are continually born into this world. And man's condition from birth is one of sin and death. Or as Paul writes here, darkness. We are born darkness. Yes, even these precious little babies are born darkness. And they are darkness until they are born again and made light. We're not saved by youth. We're not saved by innocence because there are no innocent people in that sense. Yes, they're innocent in that they don't know a whole lot. They've not been conditioned. They don't have the same knowledge of sin and evil that you and I do as adults. But don't be fooled into thinking that somehow our innocence saves us because it doesn't. The human condition will not fundamentally change until humanity is fundamentally changed. It's not a changed condition we need, but a changed heart. What we need is not a new environment, a new condition. What we need is a new heart. And only God can give us a new heart. I do a lot of work with our local mental health authority. So I work around a lot of people who are involved with psychology and psychiatry. And as well-meaning as many of them are, there is this fundamental flawed thinking that if we can just give children a better environment to grow up in, they'll grow up good people because all human beings are fundamentally good. And that flies directly in the face of what the Scripture teaches us because the Scripture doesn't teach us that all human beings are fundamentally good. The Scripture teaches us that all human beings are fundamentally darkness until they are born again. I mean, what was Adam's problem? He lived in a perfect garden and a perfect creation, and he blew it. What was Cain's problem? He came from parents who lived in a perfect garden in a perfect world, and the world was still untouched. I mean, no reason for climate justice back then, right? There was no smokestacks pumping uh, pollution into the, into the atmosphere. So what, what, was, what was the problem back then? Well, it wasn't the environment. It wasn't the condition, except the condition of man's heart. It's the condition of fallen man. That's the problem. It's not our environment. It's this environment. It's the environment of our heart that has to change. Jesus said to the man Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To be saved, to receive a new heart, one must be born again. We're born of the flesh in our first birth. The human condition cannot change until a man is born again of the Spirit. This is the greatest miracle from God. This is the greatest miracle. To be born again, to be changed from darkness to light. For a man born into this world to be made new, he must be born again. It's not, it's not in improving our environment or our, our conditions. It is in that new birth of the Spirit that we come to know that we are saved. When we are born again, we must come to know that we have been changed. That we have been saved. That we were once One thing, but now we are another. We were once darkness, but now we are light. And it's through that new birth of the Spirit that we come to know who we are. And in knowing who we are in Christ, we know who we were in our sin and in our death. So this is a truth. This is important. To know who we are, we must know who we were. This is why Paul is reminding these believers who they once were. Were. You were once darkness. Do you know who you are now? Now you are light in the Lord. This is why we don't live in the past. We remember the past. We learn from the past. But our identity is not who we were in the past. Our identity is now who we are in the Lord. We can never begin to fully know and understand our salvation until we know and understand our sin. Salvation is the reality that we were saved from something in order to be saved to something. You are once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. We were saved from darkness and made into light. Sin is more than our actions. Sin is the condition that we're born into. We're not once acting like darkness, we were once darkness. Darkness is not what I did. Darkness is who I was before Christ saved me and translated me into his light. Listen to Paul's writing to the church, the Colossians. In Colossians 1, 12 through 14, Paul writes, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers. Well, let's Let's just wait for a moment and think about that phrase. Who qualified you to become a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light? Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Guess who didn't qualify themselves? I didn't qualify myself. You didn't qualify yourself. Paul says, giving thanks to God the Father who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, where? In the light. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. How did that happen? Well, the Father did it. The Father, the same God who said, let there be light at creation, called you from darkness into light. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. God translated us out of darkness to be partakers in the light. The phrase, you once were darkness, implies who we were at one time. But in Christ, we are no longer darkness. It implies also that there is still a world full of people who are walking around as darkness in need of a Savior to translate them from darkness to light. In other words, there is a world full of people that need to experience a spiritual rebirth or regeneration. The same spiritual rebirth and regeneration you have experienced if you are trusting in Jesus today. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we are now children of light. And because we are now light in the Lord, the command is that we walk as children of light. The scripture teaches us what it means to walk as a child of light. Because you are now light in the Lord, Paul writes this commandment in verse 8 walk as children of light. We're not justified by our works, we're justified by faith, but faith works. Faith that justifies us is faith that transforms our life from darkness to light. And we are to walk accordingly. Remember, God raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus was called to walk out of the tomb. God has translated us from darkness to light, and now he calls us to walk in that light. Who we are will ultimately determine how we walk. When we become light in the Lord, we're commanded to walk as children of light. The scripture describes what that looks like. And if you ever need a reason to be thankful, remember you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And because of that grace-filled reality, God commands us to walk as a child of light. And then Paul, in this, these verses I read to you, gives us practical things of what that walking out looks like. But I want to skip down to verse 18. Because verse 18 sums up all that Paul has written in those preceding verses. To walk as a child of light is to walk filled with the Spirit. Above, above that verse, verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is the instruction that as children of light, we are to walk filled with the Spirit of God. And this sums up what it means to be a child of light. To be filled with the Spirit. This is the key to everything. What we do in Christ, listen, we do not do in our own power. Through our own strength. We we all need the Spirit of God. I'm speaking using my vocal cords and using the oxygen in my lungs and using the the faculties that God has given to me, yes, I'm doing that. But if I think I've done this by myself, if you think you cause yourself to be born by yourself, to be created by yourself, to be able to see, to be able to live and enjoy the, the grace all around us, we, we didn't do this by ourselves. We don't do this by ourselves. We can only do it with God. All we are and all we do in Him is in His grace. It's by His grace. It's by the power of His Spirit dwelling and working in us. Faith works and the works that we are able to do in His grace flow from the increase He brings through the life of His Spirit in us. We walk as children of light by the power of His Spirit as we go through life, literally putting one foot in front of the other. That's how you walk, right? You put one foot in front of the other. Some of us can walk better than others. Some of us can walk better than these brand new babies. They're first learning to walk and they stumble all over the place. But guess what? They walk by putting one foot in front of the other. So when I say you do this by the power of God, I'm not saying God does it without you. I'm saying God does it through you and God does it with you. When he commands us to walk as children of light, guess what we have to do? We have to do that. We have to walk as children of light. To be filled with the Spirit simply means to live under the Spirit's control. The picture presented in Ephesians 5.18 is one contrast in being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. This is a metaphor of how we are to live our life. Living under the control of wine with no purpose to our life or living under the control of the Spirit with a focus on fruitfulness produced through a life surrendered to His will. When Paul says you have... You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What he's simply telling us is walk in obedience to God or walk in the will of God. And then he goes on in those verses and he says, listen, you need to find out what the will of God is. Wisdom is understanding what the will of God is. Wisdom is discovering the will of God and then applying it to your life. We can literally be drunk with wine and waste away our life, or we can be figuratively drunk with the things of this world and waste away our life. Whether one is literally drunk or figuratively drunk, the lust of this world is a sinful waste. There are many, many fine, upstanding, what we would call upstanding citizens who drive nice cars, live in nice homes, have nice jobs, make lots of money, appear to be the picture of the American dream. Nice, respectable, law-abiding, polite people who are driven by this world and the things of this world. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I want you to hear what the Bible is teaching us here. This metaphor of being drunk with wine is a picture of living your life for the lust of this world and the things of this world. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Every year Forbes comes out with with the list of the richest men in the world. And every year that list comes out, people all over the place who... Read that magazine or read that list or pay attention to that. Say, boy, I wish I was that guy. Boy, I wish I was Bill Gates. Boy, I wish I was Warren Buffett. Boy, I wish I had their billions. Boy, I wish I had their money. Well, I'll never be that rich, but you know what? I'm going to be rich, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to work. Work is good. God, God commands us to work. This We teach our children this. If you don't work, Neither let him eat. That's the Bible. If you won't work, then you don't get to eat. Now, we really don't practice that in our culture. We just give people stuff all the time, and we don't require anything of them, thinking we're helping them, but we're really not. So you understand what this metaphor is teaching us here. It all comes down to the condition of our heart. Ultimately, it is our heart condition, not our social condition. It's not even our moral condition that is the real difference, that makes the real difference. There are lots of very moral people who don't trust Jesus. There are lots of moral people who believe they believe in Jesus, but it's another Jesus. They follow another book beside the Bible. And they can live very moral lives and think their moralism is going to save them. But nowhere in the Bible does it say our moralism saves us. Do you know that? It says just the opposite. God says, I utterly reject your good works. If you think your good works earn you anything with me. Because if we think we can save ourselves by our moralism, by our good works, then why did Jesus have to come and die for us? If I can save myself by my good works, by my moralism, then Jesus wasted his life on the cross. Because I just need to work a little bit harder. If one person could save themselves by their moralism, by their good works, then Jesus died in vain. And I promise you, Jesus did not die in vain. It's a heart condition. And this is what Jesus taught when he said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When we are born again, God gives to us a new heart. To be filled with the Spirit in contrast to being drunk with wine presents for us a completely opposite way of living. Being drunk with wine is a picture of being controlled by something outside of myself determining how I live and how I act. That's why Paul uses this metaphor, because most everyone can identify with it. It's chasing the fleeting pleasures of this world apart from God. Those temporary pleasures that ultimately fade and leave us empty. By contrast, we are to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be living under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's to be walking accurately and carefully in wisdom and understanding in the will of God. God's will is revealed to us in His Word. And we're to read it, pray it, study it daily. And as you do, you will begin to see God's will for your life. To be filled with the Spirit is not simply an experience. It is a continuous daily lifestyle of living submitted to the will of God under the control of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to walk in wisdom understanding the will of the Lord. It is to walk with purpose and direction, redeeming the time and understanding that the days are evil. To be filled with the Spirit is to walk in the power of God's love with thanksgiving. To be filled with the Spirit is to let the Spirit, not our flesh, determine how we speak and what we speak to others. To be filled with the Spirit is to be singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Spirit will teach us how to speak to ourselves, how to speak to one another, and how to speak to God from a heart of love and faith. To be filled with the Spirit is to be thankful. It is to be giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the spirit will teach us to be always thankful for all things to god especially when it's hard to see a reason to be thankful and that is very often the case the spirit will always remind us of the light we have been made part of and if the darkness we can if and if in the darkness we can see no other reason The light of Christ will always be a shining reason to be thankful. Sometimes our lives become so dark we can see no reason to be thankful. But this is where the Spirit reminds us of the light of Christ. And if there is no other reason I can think of to be thankful, it is the shining light of Christ that reminds me I was once darkness. Now I am light in the Lord, and I have every reason to be thankful to God. To be filled with the Spirit is to be humble and strong like Jesus. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord is not weakness. It is strength. The Spirit will teach us how to live submitted to God and to one another in strong humility. Thankfulness is a key characteristic to living a spirit-filled life. As children of light, we are to walk accordingly. And the spirit-filled life is the summation of what it means to walk as a child of light. And if you think about it, thanksgiving is a key characteristic. Thanksgiving is not just a holiday. It's what we are commanded to always be offering to God. We are to be thankful always for all things to God in Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of King David in Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Read the Psalms. Read the Psalms and read when David writes, My tears have been my meat for days. Read the Psalms and read the psalmist and the lives and the trials and the darkness he went through. For years in his life, murder, betrayal, sin, tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy. Yet here, this psalmist, this king, this tragic figure given to us in the scripture, writes this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's thanksgiving. The apostle Paul teaches us that thanksgiving is a necessary pattern for our life, especially in prayer and in worship. Philippians 4, 6, Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In 1 Thessalonians 5 16 through 18, he writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you, this is the will of God for you to give thanks always in and for all things. Nowhere does it say that's easy. It just says that's what we are to do. And if we remember who we were once and who we are now, if we remember the miracle that God did in taking us from darkness to light, from death to life, if we remember the miracle of our salvation and the new heart that God has given to us, We will never, ever, ever lack a reason to be thankful. It doesn't matter what we're having to endure in this life. There are many things that mark the life of the child of light and many things that mark a spirit-filled life, but there is nothing that marks it more than thankfulness. Think of any characteristic of the fruit of the spirit and then think about having that flow out of your life without a spirit of thankfulness. How do you love without being thankful? How do you have joy without thankfulness? How can you be at peace without thankfulness? How do you have patience or kindness or gentleness or goodness or faithfulness or self-control without being thankful? You can't. You have to work really hard to try to do that. And if you're working that hard to try to do that, then I submit to you, you're failing. Thankfulness goes hand in hand with the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the most significant hallmarks of a Spirit-filled child of light is thankfulness. Spirit-filled thankfulness marks the life of the believer walking in love under the power and the control of the Spirit of God. You... Were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Be thankful. In the midst of your darkness, be thankful. In the midst of your hardship, be thankful. In the midst of your tragedy, be thankful. Be that witness, be that reminder for those around you who don't know how to be thankful. we encounter those people every day. Emilio's going to go back to work Monday and he's got a whole he's got a whole facility full of people that are wondering how to be thankful in the face of this tragedy. And we can wonder that too. But then there is the spirit of God reminding us that we are light that there is a Savior who has conquered death. Who has conquered sin. Who has conquered darkness. And if we will trust in Him, we too are made more than conquerors. This is what it means to be salt and light in this world. The world is wondering, how do I be thankful? How can I... How can I Navigate this angry, evil, destructive, tragic, murderous world. And here we are, children of light, walking as light, and we are to show them the way. We are to be the salt, we are to be the light, we are to be the witness to Christ in this world that shows men how to be thankful, why to be thankful. And how to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that we have a shepherd, a good shepherd, who is with us. And we do not want for anything, for he leads us to a higher place, to higher ground. And he has prepared a table before us in the presence of his enemies, even in the presence of his enemies. We will eat with peace. We will eat with abundance. We will eat with thankful hearts. It would be nice if we lived in a world where we only ever had reason to be thankful. It would be nice if we lived in a world where there were never incidents and actions by other people, accidents and tragedies that give us reason to question or give us reason to hurt or give us reason to forget all the other reasons we have to be thankful but that is the world we live in we live in a fallen world a broken world a world marred by sin and death and it will continue to be that until the Lord Jesus comes again but there is hope We are the salt and we are the light. We are the proclaimers of the gospel. We are those that walk through this dark world and bring the light. And we are to spread that light and see that kingdom come on earth even as it is in heaven. Let's stand and I'm going to give you your charge. In light of that reality, in light of the fallenness of our world, in light of the fact that we are justified to be righteously angry and indignant, the Bible gives us permission to do that, but it does not give us permission to do that in a sinful way. And when we forget our reasons to be thankful, that's when it becomes dangerous. That's when our anger Can become sinful. Please remember that thanksgiving is never out of season. When my righteous anger consumes my thankfulness it becomes sin. Righteous anger has its season but thanksgiving is always in season. The time to be thankful is always now. When should I be thankful? Now. It's always now. In Christ, we are a people to be ever and eternally thankful. Make Thanksgiving something to be remembered and celebrated, not once a year, but each and every day. Go and give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean that literally. Go and give thanks for all things always to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go into this world that is filled with anger, that is filled with darkness, that is filled with evil. Go into this world and let the love and the light of Christ shine through you from a thankful heart. And be that witness that will give hope to those that are hopeless and light to those that are in darkness. This is who we are. This is what we're called to be. This is what we're called to do. So go and be that and go and do that. And happy Thanksgiving.